For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now. Here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hey, everybody out there in real estate world. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow, and this is Real Real Estate Today, where we uh, debunk what the reality TV is teaching us about real estate and talk about what is really real. We've got a really good show today. I'm a little ornery, so we're going to get into some interesting topics. Um, but before we get started, uh, just want to encourage you to go find me on Facebook at Deb Tomorrow Realtor. It's T-O-M-A-R-O, like tomato with an R. I'm here with Karen. Karen, does that make sense when I explain my last name like that? It does to me. It does not to most people. They, they ask me how to spell it, and I try to explain it. I say, it's like tomato, but with an R instead of a T, and then they're like, rawr, because I, <laughs> I don't know what your puppies would say I, I don't know it's not that confusing but it took my mother a very long time to figure out how to spell it too she would put way too many r's and a random w on the end so t-o-m-a-r-o like tomato but with an r so find me on facebook uh look for me on instagram although i have to say i haven't instagrammed anything in like a week or so it's just been one of those weeks but the puppies are coming up on uh they're one one year they're gonna be one year old on june 23rd so that flew by really fast. There'll be some documenting of puppies. We we got a pool for the puppies this weekend. I'm that kind of person. Oh, that's like a little fun. baby pool. Yeah. It was interesting. By the way, you're up to 63. 63 Instagram. followers. Mm-hmm. Ooh, watch out Taylor Swift coming for your 17 million. All right. So you are hearing the voice of the lovely Karen Rastel, who is the uh, best damn lander in the state of Indiana and nation, if she could be licensed in the entire nation. How are you, Karen? I'm good today. It's a bit warm here in Bloomington. It is. It was almost 90 yesterday, I think, which is why we pulled the pool out for the puppies. Yeah, I probably would have gotten into the pool with the puppies. We were standing in it for sure. All right. Well, let's get to the show. Uh, Last week, we hit a bunch of highlights from the past 10 shows. So we are in show number 11. Last week's show is a good show to listen to if you're just getting into our series because it uh, kind of covers all the uh, highlights from the past shows. I know we were having a little bit of a technical difficulty with those recordings. So if you tried to log on to listen to some past shows and you couldn't, uh, please log on again because it's fixed now. Uh, We've checked that and it's all good. So like I said, last week was a good show aside from my incessant coughing, which is probably going to happen again this show. Sorry, mom, I'm getting better, but the coughing seems to not go away. So I want to thank Karen for having my back because if you would, if we had been um, recording like video recording, what do you call it these days? We don't tape, you don't video record. We've been, oh, there we go, live streaming. Oh, God, I'm so old. If we had been live, <laughs> if we had been live streaming the show last week, you would see me 
point, wave my hand wildly in Karen's face and then dive to the floor and start coughing. That's pretty awesome. So this show is also brought to you by Robitussin, but I'm not a fan of the grape flavor. I've learned that too. So uh, we'll see how we make it through. So last week, I, Karen, I had let you choose the show topic. Oh, I did? Yeah, remember I said, do you want to talk about rentals or do you want to talk about inspections? And oh. you said, inspections. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah and it's the, been a long week. Well, I've promptly ignored that, so there you go. <laughs> I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, so we're going to talk about another topic, which is disclosures, which is sort of a precursor to inspections. There's a couple reasons for that. But first, you know, I like to start every show with some uh, real estate gossip, if it is out there. And so I have some good gossip brought to you brought to me this week by Rachel, my lovely associate producer who has the face of an angel but the mouth of a sailor. So she's not allowed to be on air. But she sent me this article and it was something, a story I had known a little bit about but hadn't really paid much attention to. Uh, And it has to do with my favorite topic of uh, real estate bashing, which is Zillow. Mm, Zillow. Yeah, I could have seen that coming. Yeah, <clears throat> not shocking. So Zillow and the National Association of Realtor, did you, Realtors, did you know that they are in court? They're in a court battle? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. Corporate espionage. On whose part? On Zillow's part. Okay. So to try and simplify the story, and I'm sure uh, Rachel will put up some links to uh, some of the stories there. There's a company called Move.com, and they operate Realtor.com, which is the real estate search website that is um, owned in partnership with the National Association of Realtors. Okay. So Realtor.com is sort of the Realtor national website for searching for homes. So there were these two executives who were at Move.com, and Zillow stole them away. But before they did that... They uh, destroyed a bunch of documents. They stole a bunch of trade secrets and took with them. This is all of the, I guess I should say allegedly throughout this whole thing. Yes, you should. Yes. So so last week it kind of came into the news because there was a little convention, a little event that the National Association of Realtors was putting on. They bring in a lot of vendors for that and they won't let Zillow in this year. Okay. Is They're this like, out well, in California or somewhere? Um, or? They do them all over the country. Okay. I'm not sure where this one was, but pretty much from here on out for the time being, National Association of Realtors, any convention or event, Zillow is not going to be there um, because they are locked in a legal battle and they think that's not a great idea. Makes sense to me. <clears throat> so as I was doing digging around, uh, I found an article from last month, from April, where the Zillow CEO, uh, this guy named Spencer, who's the guy that I tweeted when I was having problems with Zillow, I tweeted him, right? So he's my personal friend now, Okay, but not that impressed because he was in court trying to deny all of these allegations that they hired these two people away from move. uh, And some of this article is just hysterical because they're trying to um, talk about, uh, well, first of all, there's this guy named Kurt Beardsley. And uh, so his boss, the Spencer guy, the head of Zillow, is he says in court, Kurt made a number of decision, decisions that exhibited bad judgment that I can only describe as knuckleheaded moves. That's oh. your boss in court calling oh you a knucklehead. Whoops. Um, but there were some other things that Beardsley, this Beardsley guy, was saying he wanted to wipe his laptop clean um, because he had visited porn sites and he didn't want anyone to check those out. Are you serious? All of this out in court, man, for everyone to see. But you know, I think. If I was trying to hide something on my work computer, I would probably come up with that 
Right. It's probably it may or may not be true, but I would be like, oh, I it wanted it. I no, I I would just say <laughs> I just want it like you know completely cleaned out because of I was watching porn or whatever, so that people wouldn't. You would take it. porn over corporate espionage. I don't know what I I wouldn't do either <laughs> is the thing, but I'm just saying well, that would be probably like an easy. An easy like right. scapegoat to say there's porn on there. Let's clean it off. Right. Well, there was a victory, uh, a small victory by way of National Association of Realtors because the court ruled that this evidence that the fact that these two Zillow guys destroyed evidence can be presented and can instru- they are instructing the jury to basically infer from that that they were hiding something. Because why else would you destroy something unless you were hiding? Besides the porn. Besides the porn, right? So anyways. But it's still really destroyed. You know, they always say you can delete. I know, it's still out there. Yeah, it's out there somewhere. Somebody else said that they destroyed a hard drive because he got frustrated with it. Which I could see. He said it wasn't working very well anymore, so he took a hammer to it or something. I don't know. I've watched enough forensic files on uh, the whatever, the IDT, whatever. The IDTV or Investigate channel, they'll be, they can put that, that back together. Okay. All right. Well, that's the latest in real estate drama brought to you here. We will keep you updated on how that progresses, but uh, I may have to up some donation dollars to my beloved National Association of Realtors. I was say, that's more interesting than one of the property brothers getting in a bar fight in North Dakota at 2 o'clock <laughs> in the morning or whatever. In North Dakota, exactly. So, all right, let's get on with the show. So, uh, what'd you do this weekend, Karen? Anything exciting? I finally went and had sushi in Bloomington. Oh, finally. Where? where do you eat sushi in Bloomington? There's tons of places, yeah. but I went to one in particular. My okay. sister came down and, oh, yeah, my Good. son, we went and had some. Excellent. Well, <clears throat> I did some continuing ed over the weekend. That's fantastic. I did a lot of other fun things, which involved <laughs> multiple trips to emergency rooms, but we're not going to get into that. But I did do some continuing education as a realtors in order to keep our license in the state of Indiana. We have to do 12 hours every year, and that uh, requirement has to be fulfilled by the end of June. So it's time for me to get started on that. Uh, so I did a course on real estate disclosures, and it really inspired me to do some Googling um, and also made me think we were going to talk about inspections today. And I thought, you know, disclosures kind of come before inspections. So next week we'll do inspections. This week we'll talk about real estate disclosures. But when I was sort of Googling, uh, I, I found this really cool article on the HGTV website, and it was titled Five Tips for Living in a Haunted House. Awesome. I know. Uh, and so, you know, I know I know everyone out there is like, well, wait a minute. How did we're disclosures, haunted house. Trust me, we'll get there. Hang tight. We'll come full circle. I promise. But I want to share this article because I love it. And um, and I'll give it to Rachel to get up on the Facebook page. But um, I'm just going to give you the quick highlights. But tip number one, it's going to crack me up. I don't even know if I can read it. Tip number one to living in a haunted house. Don't be afraid. Oh, okay. That's tip number one. Okay. This says, uh, take a deep breath and know that it's not going to hurt you. I don't believe that. No, because I also watch those shows right. on TV. Right. And no. Well, this person says, don't be frightened. Just pay attention because somebody might be trying to tell you something. Don't talk extensively about it inside the house if you'd rather it not happen. As I feel, the more you speak of the entity wants to make it, the more you speak of it, the more the entity wants to make itself known. And perhaps you do want to experience it more. That's up to you. What I love about this article is it is coming from HGTV, and I think it's written in all seriousness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tip number two, stay in control. There's a Janet Jackson song in there somewhere. Uh, this is your house. 
And while the ghost can claim that it's his house too, your name is on the mortgage. Okay. And you are paying the utilities, mowing the lawn and cleaning the place. So if you and a ghost disagree on something, as intimidating as it might be, you shouldn't be afraid to try and get your way. Okay, mm-hmm. good. That's good advice good so tip. far. Okay. Tip number three, research your ghost. If you think there's a ghost in your house, there are going to be skeptics, quite possibly yourself. Uh, and so the more evidence you can pull together to convince either your family or friends or yourself that you haven't lost your mind, the better. All right, tip four. Okay, tip four. <laughs> Talk to the ghost. Uh, he or she, after all, is living among you and your family. You ought to try and get along. Only if it's Casper, the friendly True. ghost. Speak aloud to the ghosts and tell them your own personal boundaries, advises Alexandra Chiron, a fortune teller in Seattle. They're quoting the fortune tellers. Don't be afraid to tell them no and when to stop and thank them when, they, uh, when any annoying activities cease. Be polite to the ghost and treat them like roommates that mean well, but may be a tad on the socially oblivious side. Interesting. All right, okay. And number five, <laughs> be appreciative. Of the ghost? Yeah. This is, after all, a pretty unique situation, and you're getting a glimpse into a world that few people get to experience. Can we charge, you know, rent or... We're going to talk about the risks that you uh, might run if you are promoting the fact that you have a ghost in your house as we talk about disclosures. disclosures. That's going to come later in the show, so you got to stick around, come back after a break, and, uh, and we will keep talking about disclosures, and we will get back to the haunting, and I feel like this should be a Halloween episode. Okay. But it's not. It's May. <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, after this short break. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. News. 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 News.
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hey, thanks for coming back as we are going to get back on, uh, let's see, on topic. I don't know if we got off topic. We were talking about haunted houses. No, that was your segue into today's it, it'll topic. It'll come full circle. You just got to hang tight. The question is, is there enough time in the show for it to come full circle? We can be the speed talker at the end. Okay. That's what I usually end up doing. Okay. So where am I going with this? One of the most common questions I get when listing a property is what needs to be disclosed by the seller to the buyer. And do you have to disclose if your house is haunted? That's not a question I get all the time. But as an example, sure. you know, what do you have to disclose? I'm going to leave that answer as the cliffhanger so that you stick around for the entire show. And we're going to set the stage and cover some basics in, uh, in disclosures. Karen's shaking her head. I think this is good show format. We've got no, cliffhangers going down. Because I'm thinking of uh, a transaction in particular where there was something obviously wrong with this particular home. Mm-hmm. And the current owners knew that, but they didn't disclose it. Was the house blue? And then when um, it was brought to their attention mm-hmm. via home inspection, they still didn't disclose that. To, yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the topic. Well, a little history lesson, and some of this I got through my continuing education over the weekend, and then I um, did a little bit more research. And I just thought this was interesting. There was a Brady Bunch episode. I was a Brady Bunch kid growing up, right? Did you watch Brady Bunch growing up? I, yeah, I do. I okay. still watch Brady I think, I think Greg was buying a car, and they were talking about caveat emptor, buyer beware. I do remember him buying the car, but I don't remember that. Yet. Well, I remember learning what caveat emptor was from the Brady Bunch. Okay, so buyer beware. It means it's up to the buyer to do their due diligence um, to make sure that they know exactly what it is that they're buying. And this goes in line with uh, my phrase, the demand to understand, with the T-shirts that we're going to order. Um <laughs> So basically, back in the day, up through the 1950s even, you know, the theme uh, w- for protecting a buyer was caveat emptor. Buyer beware. The seller couldn't hide things. If the seller hid something, obviously, that would be an issue. You can't, uh, for example, paint over a ceiling stain to hide a leak. But the seller didn't have to disclose the leak either. They just kind of leave it all hanging out there for the buyer to, you know, figure out on their own. Um and that, but that started to change, I think, with the advent of our litigious society. Perhaps that's a little bit of a commentary there. But So, again, home sellers in the 1950s had no obligation to mention property defects to buyers. As long as the sellers resisted the temptation to conceal latent defects or lie about the condition of the property. And latent defects means things that aren't obvious to the normal observer. So, you know, if there was a broken window, that's obvious. You don't necessarily need to disclose that because buyers should be able to see that. But to become liable for concealment of a defect, the sellers would have needed to do more than just keep quiet. They would have had to need to, needed to do something like place a mattress over a gaping hole to hide dry rot and termites or painting over water stains to, uh, you know, hide a roof leak. But by the mid-1960s, the consumer protective norms 
that are applicable to the sale of goods were being applied to the sale of homes. So it used to be that, you know, you had the right to sort of expect that if you bought a TV, it worked. Sure. But the same didn't apply to homes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So, okay. So in the 60s, then that started to change. And that's where this whole... um, it became much more normal uh, in about two thirds of the state, uh, or uh, two thirds of the states, to um, put these def- uh, the disclosures out there, the detailed account of these material defects. Um, <clears throat> so silence was no longer golden, and in, in fact, silence could be extremely costly to both sil- uh, sellers and their brokers. Um, so now the principle is what we say: seller tell all as opposed to caveat emptor, as opposed to buyer beware. We now say seller tell all. Um, now, there's a, a one innate issue with that, and, and this is, I think, where we kind of run into problems, is that the seller may not think something's a big deal. And that may have been what happened in your situation. I was going to bring that up. I was, because I, I, since I don't, I haven't read ahead on what the show, you know, I haven't read your outline today. I was thinking about when I could bring that up but yes I did have someone ask me when my basement flooded and we had to have uh, mold remediation Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff and then everything was put back together I had someone say well you have to disclose that when you go to sell and in my head I thought I I don't know like we got it fixed and it's been inspected Mm -hmm. by everybody Mm -hmm. I don't know what's the answer we're going to talk about that coming up okay um <clears throat> yeah, that's going to be one of the, and that's a, there isn't a, a right or wrong question necess- or answer to that necessarily. I think probably the, I, I should have prefaced this entire show by saying, I'm not an attorney. I, remind me to say that when I come back from all the breaks from okay. here on out. I am not an attorney. These are certainly, and, and also what's really interesting to me is that the laws differ from state to state greatly Um, and so you know you really need to rely on your real estate professional uh, and attorney if you're certainly that concerned about it but I thought it was interesting that uh, you know a seller may not think something's a big deal especially if they've lived in the home a long time I mean if you live in that home for another 10 years and you never have another problem you might wipe that out of your memory I've already wiped it out of my like I just feel like oh it's been completely handled it took a few months to get everything yeah so Um, you know, but the buyer still needs to act like, you know, the worst thing could have potentially happened in that house and and do their inspections, you know. So how does a disclosure work? Typically, each state has a form that they require to be completed. And the seller fills that form out at the time that they list the property. When, (coughs) excuse me, one of the interesting things about this, when the seller fills the form out is that most realtors just kind of hand the form over and then walk away. (laughs) like yeah good luck with you and I know as a lender have you ever had anybody ask you to how should I fill this out um they have I mean especially if there's no realtors involved yeah and I tell them I can't advise them on that that's one of the key pieces of having a realtor is to help you with those type of disclosures but even with a disclosure my job as a realtor is to explain to you what each one of these lines means exactly and then not to answer yes no yeah right and And then the homeowner yes and I even you know sometimes you have like an elderly client who has trouble writing and you're like okay you want to kind of help fill them out and you just really shouldn't as a realtor do that because you don't know. You haven't lived in the house, and it's, you, you just don't know. But anyways, the seller fills out that form, the disclosure form at the time when they list the property. 
And then at the time, ideally at the time that the buyer makes an offer, they will review the form and sign it as well, acknowledging that they've seen it. And then in the state of Indiana, the seller signs it again at closing, stating that the home is in the same or better condition than uh, when they've listed it. So that if anything were to have changed, that that, uh, is the vehicle for making sure the buyer is protected. Sure. So I always give this example. We just had a, we are in the midst of having a big highway come through town, uh, I-69. And um, there were some homes that were, uh, quite a few homes, properties that were impacted by that. And so I always use the example around here that, say, when you go to list the property, everything's fine. You get an offer on the property. And the day after you get the offer, you get uh, a letter from the state, the state saying, hey, we're going to take half your front yard for the highway. And the seller says, Shh, don't tell anyone I'm selling the house. <laughs> Quick, hurry up and buy it. You can't do that because once you've, that's the type of thing. And so this was another um, interesting thing to me was that the disclosures don't just cover physical condition. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that uh, I, I think people have a, a, a misunderstanding about. That also covers things like highway. There's a line on our disclosure form that says, are you within a mile of an airport? Correct. Karen, you would answer that? Um, I'm not within a mile. You're not within a mile? No. You're close. I'm very close. Okay. Um, assessments. We talked about condos a few weeks ago on the show. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about buying a condo, you should go back and listen to that show. Um, but assessments are things over and above the normal homeowner association dues. And uh, there have been lots of case studies out there of uh, people who have gotten assessments levied on them. Like they move, they buy the condo, move in, and all of a sudden they hear, oh, I have $2,000 a year in assessments to put new roofs on or new siding or something like that. If that wasn't disclosed to them, that's, that's going to be a problem. Gotcha. And the seller's probably going to be liable for that as well. Uh, and then in some cases, too, emotional defects. Emotional defects? Emotional defects. Like something makes me sad. <laughs> just makes yeah. you feel yeah. uh, emotional defects are also called stigmatized properties okay we're going to talk see we're, we're coming back we're going to come back to the haunting uh, there in a little bit but that that's kind of one of those things uh, it, it's a little bit harder to um, put your finger on it and to pinpoint it and to associate a cost with it but uh, it is something that needs to be considered as well I thought it was really interesting too that in most states even though the states are the ones that mandate the use of these disclosure forms the disclosure forms are actually maintained by the state association of realtors which is another reason um, to talk about the importance of realtors as opposed to a real estate agent and how there is a difference somehow. There is a difference somehow. There is a difference somehow. Uh, so uh, that's another th- uh, value I think that the Association of Realtors uh, brings to the the table on that. Um, and it, you know, it's just really interesting to me. I googled just several different forms, and I'm not going to go over them. But you know, Indiana sellers disclosures two pages. Uh, in Kentucky, it's four pages. Hmm. What's interesting to me is that in Kentucky, their disclosures say, are there any past or current problems affecting plumbing, electrical system, appliances? Karen's eyes just got really wide. It's like, really? Yeah, it says past or current problems. Whereas, like, I looked at Michigan's, I looked at Indiana, and mm-hmm. it's just more, are there any problems with, do these things work or do they not work? Yeah, like, there, are they so, defective yeah. or not? I mean, I think in that's Indiana, it's, is it are. defective or is it not defective? But in Kentucky, they want to know if there's any past problems. Yeah. So again, very, very state specific. 
Um, and we get into some of the other sort of emotional defects, uh, it gets even more state specific. So, um, so do your homework on that. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're going for sale by owner, man. I know one of the things I look for oh. is, it, is it on a private road? Because mm-hmm. if it's on a private road, then I already know right away that I need to make sure that there's a private road, like a maintenance agreement that has been recorded. Um, that's one of the troubleshooting things I do up front so that once title work is ordered, because if it's not, if something's not recorded, mm-hmm. then we have to get something on record, and that requires everybody on that street to sign. So, and that was that was kind of my next question for you is that I know whenever I have a client has an accepted offer, you ask to see those disclosures. Yes, and so you have to look at the lender has to look at those. We don't have to look at those, but we choose to look at them. And then our investors that we sell our loans to are requiring us to have that. It is part of, you know. It's like an extension of the purchase agreement. Any amendments, any addendums, like all of that is all together. Okay. But that's what I look for. Private road and um, do they, depending on what type of loan program you're doing, if they can be hooked up, like the water can be hooked up to a public, Mm -hmm. yeah, they have to be on certain loan programs. And there's other kinds of disclosures too beyond just the... The state disclosures, there's a lead-based paint disclosure, and then other states have a lot of different other disclosures of meth disclosures, and there's all kinds. I mean, some states, I think California, they like to sue people, so they have stacks and stacks and stacks of disclosures. Um, so we're going to go to another break, and, uh, and we'll get into some emotional defects here shortly, which may involve some therapy. So stick around. We, we need you to come back. We really do. We'll be back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Welcome back. Thanks for hanging in there. We are talking today about disclosures, and eventually we're going to get to haunted houses. Yes, I promise we will get there. So we were talking about uh, the disclosure forms and what that process was. Um, So let's talk about what we have to disclose um, we were just talking about like in Kentucky, their disclosure form says past repairs need to be disclosed. Uh, in Indiana, it's more do they does, you know, does the plumbing work or does it not work? You know, kind of a yes or no question like that. So, again, I am not an attorney. You're supposed to remind me of that, Karen. Yes, remind remind the listeners. I am not an attorney. Uh, so this is a question for your attorney and or your realtor. But here are some guidelines that I think are pretty useful. Um, and so Karen, Karen had a flood in her house. Uh, in October? In October. In October, she had a plumbing line to the toilet. Which was upstairs. Upstairs. Yeah. Burst. I don't yes. think we've talked about this on the show. No, we haven't. Uh, and she posted on Facebook for help. <laughs> it was midnight. It was midnight, Saturday night. I was like, help, help. Like, what do I do? Uh-huh. And who came to your rescue? Uh, um, her name is Deb Tomorrow. Deb Tomorrow. Because yeah, I'm pathetic and I was on Facebook at midnight. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> with the stellar advice to call your... Insurance agent. But anyways, the water poured down through the heating ducts and collapsed the ceiling in the basement. Correct. And it took a good, you know, three months to get repaired. Yes, it did. And probably about 25, no, 10%, 15% of the value of the house. I, I don't know, but... Um, a lot. I don't know, a lot. A lot. So anyways, is that something she needs to disclose going forward? Again, A, it depends on the state that you're in. But here are some sort of rules of thumb. So one, does the repair require ongoing maintenance? Or is it done, fixed? You know, you've lived there for 10 years. It's never come back. I think that that is a test that I would put into place. Um, you know, do you regularly have to empty the bucket under the leaky sink? That's regular maintenance. That should probably be disclosed. It actually should probably be fixed. But, um, or do you have to tar the roof regularly because you just keep getting a leak in the same section? We see that. Okay. I just go up there and throw some caulk on it. It's fine for, you know, the next couple of rainfalls. And then I just do it again. No, that's something that requires okay. regular maintenance. <laughs> you need to fix it. Number two, is it a problem that, although it is currently fine, may recur in the future? So, for example, water in the basement, something we have around here a lot. Uh, you know, you get sellers that say, well, I'm just going to sell my house in July. When there's a drought, it won't be a problem. But if there's a good chance it's going to recur in the future, then, uh, you know, it's probably something that you need to disclose. Uh, and was it a defect? This one is interesting to me. Was it a defect that would have greatly affected the value of the home before it was cured, before it was fixed? So think about it like this. If it was a major foundation issue. So I had some clients uh, just recently had a major foundation issue. It was a new construction. They'd lived in it for a couple of years. The builder had some issues. Uh, the builder ended up paying for the foundation repair to be done, and it had lifetime warranties and all of that. But it was still something that we felt we needed to disclose because we didn't want, you know, part of it is you just want to do the right thing. You don't want the buyer to have bad feelings, but you just don't want to cause any issues down the road. These non-disclosure of things is the number one reason that home buyers and home sellers end up in court. And so when in doubt, disclose, disclose, disclose. Now, is a realtor ever yanked into that? It can be. If a buyer and seller end up going to court? Okay. Yeah, it can be. And, you know, and part of it is if the realtor knows and they don't disclose. Sure. Then okay. that, that's an issue, too. So certainly, yeah. 
So like I said, when in doubt, uh, disclose. And I had a, a couple of things I wanted to share about that because sometimes sellers, I think, are fe- they fear the disclosures that they just think, you know, well, I'm just going to lay low. Or they, um, in Indiana, we have a box that you can check that says don't know. Yeah, that's true. They're big fans of the don't know box, right? They just, I had a closing this morning and it was the guy who filled out the disclosures with the son of the elderly lady who was selling the house. He mm-hmm. had power of attorney. He just drew a line straight down all the don't know boxes. Well, he probably doesn't know. He probably doesn't know. But maybe could have done a little bit more due diligence on the seller part because um, so, you know, I, so I highly recommend sellers take these disclosures seriously and take their time filling it out. Um, you know, it helps them avoid potential legal issue. It does give the buyers a sense of security if they feel like that they've got full disclosure and accurate information. Um, and it also just helps you get to closing, which is, you know, I think part of the equation that a lot of people forget in the home selling process. They just want to get an offer. That's only half the battle. Getting into closing is the other half of the battle. All right. So that is um, in, in terms of what you have to disclose. But now let's talk about the uh, emotional defects. Stigmatized properties is the uh, formal word. Stigmatized. Am I saying that right? Okay, stigmatized. Say that 10 times real fast. In real estate, stigmatized properties are properties where buyers or tenants, but buyers may shun the properties for reasons that are unrelated to its physical condition or features. These can include the death of an occupant. Karen's looking very concerned at this point. Where is this show going? No, I'm just... Murder, suicide. and needles here. I'm waiting. Murder, suicide, serious illnesses such as AIDS or the belief that a house is haunted. And this concept is very controversial. Um, Some states require the disclosure of emotional defects and some do not. Now, this easy, not the easy one, but, you know, the one that comes to mind for everyone is a death in a home. And I get a lot of people that ask me that. Has, Has anyone died in this home? You know, in Indiana, you don't really have to disclose that if the realtor asks the question and the seller knows the answer, then they have to answer truthfully. Okay. They can't lie. Okay. But typically... I mean, it could be a natural death. We're not talking about... So, I had a guy who built my house in 1925, and he died in front of the fireplace of tuberculosis, which is probably what I have right now from all the coughing. Um, You know, I, I don't... Is that something that I would need to disclose? I don't know. Have you talked to the ghost? Are you? I go down to the cemetery. The and I, yeah, I do. Actually, I have had some conversations. Okay. I've just said, you know, hey, we're good here. Thanks. We love the house. And I think they know we love the house. So it's all good. I don't know. I would say you wouldn't have to disclose that. Was no. that disclosed? I mean, that was a hundred years ago. Exactly. Right. Okay. So here's here's some interesting tidbits just to illustrate. He's in the barn most of the time anyway. He's he in the barn. Come into the house. Uh. In California, sellers must reveal if a death has occurred any time in the past three years, including death by natural causes, although certain types of deaths like those from AIDS can't be disclosed. And if a buyer comes out and asks about a death that occurred at any time, even longer than three years ago, the seller is required to provide a truthful response. That's just so interesting to me, but Mm -hmm. okay. In Alaska and South Dakota, only murders and suicides must be disclosed if they happened within the past year. I had a former boss who moved to like South Carolina and it was not disclosed to him that the previous owner killed himself. And they moved in and like a month later, they like found out 
like their, a neighbor came over. That's usually how people find out. The neighbor comes over and they're like, oh, and oh, then they went like down. Mrs. Kravitz. Yeah, and Have then they go down to the, the basement and they see where the wall had been patched from the bullet hole because he shot himself and it was really sad. And then he, like, yeah, and then my former boss got all freaked out and he was like, I'm going to put flour on the stairs to the basement. This is what he was telling me so that he could see if there were footprints going up and down. I was like, I don't think ghostly footprints. I actually had that conversation with a human being. Um, okay, in Alaska and South Dakota, only murders and suicides must be disclosed if they happen within the past year. In other states, the laws are less black and white. A seller may need to disclose the information only if a buyer asks. So here's your little helpful tidbit for today. www.diedinhouse.com. That's a real website. It's a real website, although I think it costs eleven ninety nine to find out from an address. I find Google much more useful. <laughs> but anyways, so that's a little bit about um, the death and, 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 you know, someone died in the house because that's a question we get all the time. I always tell my clients as like the buyer, we have the right to ask any question we want. And, it, you know, they don't have to answer all of our questions. Some of the questions they're required to answer, like, did someone die in the house? If they know. You know, I never even thought about um, my husband has a friend that's a retired detective with the Bloomington Police Department. And he would say daily that they would get calls to go do a well check on an elderly person. Mm -hmm. And they get there and they had passed away over the weekend or something right. like that. Like, you know, we don't read about that in the newspaper right. or whatever. And so, I mean, who knows? Unless you're buying a brand new house where a contractor didn't die on site. Right. You know, you just never know. Right. So, all right, I have another super creepy article as we're going to, like, really go off topic here. This one. This one gives me the creeps big time. <clears throat> it's another emotional defect, shall we call it? Okay. Okay. There is a house, and they call it the Watcher House. This is currently under, uh, involved in a lawsuit. It hasn't been settled yet. Uh, the Watcher House made new national news last year when a family filed lawsuit in Superior Court in Union County. I think this is New Jersey. I think all the crazy stuff happens in New Jersey, right? In Union County, claiming that the previous owners failed to disclose that there was a mysterious stalker attached to the property. Super creepy. Three days after closing on the house last year, the family received the first of three threatening letters from, quote, the Watcher, according to the lawsuit. Uh, here's the grandfather. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s and my father watched in the 1960s. The letter said it is now my time. The letter refers to the buyer's children as young blood and warned the family to stop renovating the $1.3 million house. You have changed it and made it so fancy. One of the letters said it cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls, when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The new owners, whose names are being withheld, say the previous owners also received at least one letter from the stalker. And they are too scared to move in, according to the lawsuit. The new owners also say they will not be able to resell the property at its full value with a stalker attached. Um, quick question. Mm-hmm. How did they? How did they buy the house? Was it bank owned? Was no, it they bought it from just a seller who did not disclose. Okay, interesting tidbit because if it was bank owned, foreclosed properties are not required to have disclosures. The reason I was bringing this up because I swear if I didn't know any better, I just watched that Lifetime movie over the weekend. It was called Foreclosed, <laughs> and this guy 
they they bought the house bank owned, but the guy came in, he he wouldn't leave. He's like, no, my mother owned this house and she left it to me when she passed away. But it was a real person, not a ghost. It was a a real person. Well, it's not a ghost writing these letters. No, but I'm saying, but he was there in the house. This is just like random letters that show up. But I'm just saying, I don't know. It just sounded like a Lifetime movie. Okay, well, we'll have to watch that. You should. You should have brought that up when I asked you what you did this weekend. So there is a gentleman out of uh, California who specializes in stigmatized properties like this. And the the entire article is pretty um, depressing, actually, because it talks about what has happened to all these different, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer's house and um, Amityville Horror and, you know, and some other places, uh, you know, where they're attached to really, really sad and tragic stories. But um, but that one watcher one, I'll be interested to see how that lawsuit plays out so we have one more haunted house story to finish up in our last segment so we're going to go to break and come back with that as we continue to come full circle from disclosures to uh, ghosts we'll be right back Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Tune in to the Dr. Gladney Radio Show every week for enlightening, provocative, real conversations, advice, and tips that you can use to improve your life. If you feel overwhelmed, confused, stressed, or lost in the cycle of life, this is the show for you. Dr. Gladney and her guests will help you repair, manage, and create an amazing life. No topic is off limits and is discussed with real solutions on our show. That's the Dr. Gladney Radio Show, live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 p.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to real real estate today to reach deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show please send an email to deb at real real estate today.com that's deb at real real estate today.com now back to this week's program and this is deb tomorrow i am not an attorney but we are talking about legal stuff today this is when i always say to my clients i'm like i'm not an attorney don't believe a word i say i'm pretty useless but I can talk. So so one of the things I wanted to bring up from that last story about the Watcher House and was that the previous owners did receive a letter, so they knew. One of the biggest challenges when you get into a legal situation with um, disclosures, a buyer moves into a house, something happens. They feel like the previous owner should have known about it. And so they get all fired up and want to sure. file a lawsuit. There is a difference between should have known 
and actual knowledge. And that's where it gets really, really tricky. A buyer has to be able to prove that the seller has actual knowledge of a problem that they didn't disclose, as opposed to they should have known that. Or relying on Mrs. Kravitz. Next the door. Na- next door neighbor, yes. Okay. So, for example, I had a client, they bought a house that was on well water. Uh, they had some big rainstorms. They had a problem with the well. They called the well company out. That There was a little tag on the well of the company who drilled. Mm-hmm. So they called them out. And the guy was like, oh, yeah, we've been trying to fix this problem for six years. Oh, no. Oh, snap. That's what we say to that. Um, and, of course, my clients were attorneys, too. So, however, another example, say, you know, there's a back room in a basement that maybe these sellers never go in. They just didn't go into that part of the house. Maybe there's a little bit of moisture back there. You know, it's easy to say someone should have known, but if they didn't ever go in that room, they may not have known. Sure. It just gets really, really tricky. I had a client once who was had a plumbing issue and was like, the sellers had to have known. Okay, well, we need to prove that. How are you going to prove that? Start calling every plumber in town and seeing if anybody will fess up to you that they ever went out to the house and looked at that problem. So that's the, that's the trick. Should have known versus actually known. Okay, we have to get to this haunted mansion story before the show ends. And I take over someone else's show so I can tell the story. There is an infamous court case that is often cited when it comes to disclosure law. Stambovsky versus Ackley, and it revolves a haunted house. So I'm going to read this to you. Helen Ackley owned a big old Victorian home in Nyack. I had to look up how to pronounce that. Nyack, New York. The town sits about 30 miles north of New York City on the west bank of the Hudson River. In an area known for many haunted places, including the legendary Sleepy Hollow. Mrs. Ackley was well aware that her house was supposedly haunted. In fact, she claims to have seen several ghosts herself, including one that gave her approval for the new paint color in the living room and several that were dressed in colonial-era clothing. She described her home's ghost for the local newspaper and Reader's Digest, and even got the house featured on a haunted house walking tour of Nyack. When she decided to put the house up for sale and retire to Florida, though, Mrs. Ackley suddenly got very shy about the ghosts. Jeffrey, Jeffrey and Patrice Stambovsky wanted to buy the house and agreed to Ackley's asking price of $650,000. It wasn't until after the couple gave Ackley a $32,500 down payment that they were talking to a local neighbor about their purchase and were asked, oh, you're buying the haunted house. The Stambovskis were not exactly thrilled to learn about the alleged haunting of their new home and attempted to back out of the sale. Ackley, the seller, would neither admit any wrongdoing nor cancel the sale and return the deposit, so the Stambovskis took her to court. They actually lost the case with the court citing caveat emptor, let the buyer beware, responsibility to uncover the property's defects before committing to a sale. But then they appealed, and the appellate appellate division of the state Supreme Court ruled in their favor in a 3-2 decision. The court found that regardless of whether or not ghosts are real and the house was truly haunted, the fact that the house had been widely reported as haunted affected its value. Ackley, the seller, had deliberately fostered the belief that her home was possessed by ghosts in the past and was therefore at fault for not disclosing this attribute of the house to the buyers who, not being locals, could not readily learn about the defect on their own. On that note, one of the justices joked, who are you going to call? Uh, <laughs> applying the strict rule of caveat emptor. This is funny, actually. It's, it's a bunch of big words because it's a judge who wrote it, but it's funny. I had to read it three times to understand it. But 
Applying the strict rule of caveat emptor to a contract involving a house possessed by poltergeist conjures up visions of a psychic or a medium routinely accompanying the structural engineers and the Terminex man on every inspection of every home subject to a contract of sale. So could you imagine you have your home inspector, you have your priest come in. <laughs> just to make sure, you know, it's doing part of your inspection. Wow. Uh, the Stambovskis eventually got their money back. Good for them. And Ackley eventually sold the house despite or maybe because of the fact that she had to disclose her supposed ghost. Part of the problem with this case going to court was that Stambovsky or the Ackley, the lady who owned the house, tried to say, oh, no, 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 there's not ghosts. And they were like. But she was in Reader's Digest exactly, and whatever else. Exactly. So, if you don't want to run into those issues, uh, and you think your house is haunted, you need to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> that's my advice to you. I'm not an attorney, but that's or, my advice to you. Or just disclose it. Or just disclose it. Exactly. Disclose, disclose, disclose. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> I thought that was an interesting article. Um, it, uh, it's, a, it's a very well-cited case. There's tons and tons of uh, internet uh, stories about that article. So, all right. Uh, we've got just a couple minutes left, so I'm going to wrap up some. What happens if there is an inspection and the deal falls through? And all of a sudden, you have all this new information. As the seller, you have new information in front of you from the inspection. Yes, do tell. What do are you tell? supposed what to do? What do you do? Yes. If it's legit, you need to disclose it. But what we run into is whose definition of legit are we going to go right. off of? MC Hammers, too legit to quit. Exactly. Right. What if the seller believes that the inspector made a mistake? I had this last summer on a property. Um, the home inspector came through and really blew a lot of things, I think, out of proportion. And so we brought in, and the deal fell apart, but we brought in uh, multiple contractors and another home inspector to give their opinion as well. Okay. And then all we could do is present to the next buyer. Here we have a contractor. Here's what they say. We have a secondary home inspector. Here's what they say. And we have this home inspector over here, and here's what he says. Okay. Um, so that's really what you need to do. It's sort of an unfortunate situation because it can end up costing the seller more money um, up front or, you know, before this closed, because like my seller in this situation had to pay for another home inspection just so that we had something to refute because otherwise we needed to disclose that information. So, um, that's something to consider for sure. And then I want to just point out again, there are lots and lots of ways to dig and get information and do your due diligence on properties. There are now all kinds of meth lab websites, um, sex offender registries, they're everywhere. It's scary. Um, the DydenHouse.com, even Google and the local newspaper. I once had a client who was interested in a property, and for whatever reason, the address was ringing a bell. And I was like, wait a minute. Hmm. And I Googled it. I, I just went to the um, local newspaper website yeah. and searched it. Oh, boom. There was a, 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 an arrest for like child neglect and meth labs or something like that. Um, so it was a meth house. And uh, I read something the other day when I was doing a little bit of research that I guess if you live in a meth house, you can sometimes test positive for meth. Is that true? I don't know. That must be another show. I'm going to have to go Snopes that one. Okay, so uh, let, me, let me wrap things up here as we've come full circle in disclosures and haunted houses and all kinds of good stuff. Disclosures do not substitute for an inspection. 
They just don't. So the new trend is seller tell all rather than the old days of the caveat emptor. But you still need to do your due diligence um, just as if caveat emptor was in place. I had a client or a gentleman buy a listing of mine um, a couple years ago and after the fact came back and he said, well, there's a problem with some of the electrical outlets and there wasn't anything noted on the disclosure. A couple years later? Well, no, I mean, it was soon after. But it was a rental property. They didn't live there. They didn't really know. They answered the questions to the best of their knowledge. I honestly believe that they weren't trying to be deceptive. Sure. But he didn't do a home inspection. That was his choice. So do not let those disclosures substitute for a home inspection. Um, Number two takeaway, uh, expect the unexpected. Being a homeowner means unexpected surprises all the time. Stuff happens. The day you move in is the stuff that day starts, the, the day that stuff starts breaking. So you need to kind of understand that and expect that as well. Uh, and then number three, I just send you away with Google can tell you a lot. Um, you know, public records, previous owners' names, Google, Facebook, there's all kinds of really great information out there. Um, so take your time to do your due diligence on that as well and make sure you know what you're getting into. I think that about wraps it up for today's show. I think I only coughed about three times, so I'm pretty excited about that, which means we should be in good shape next week. I'll say, if you did, I didn't even hear it. I didn't even Yay. notice it. All right. We are going to talk about inspections next week unless I decide to change my mind yet again, which I <laughs> reserve the right to do. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next week. Be sure to check out Facebook and Instagram, Deb Tomorrow Realtor. You can listen to old archived episodes, too. So uh, you can listen to me every day until we meet again live. Talk to you soon. Have a great one. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.